standing to hear the reading of God's holy word. This is our third message in the series that God has given us for this month of October this year 2017. The series is entitled The Testimony of a Worshipper. Testimony of a Worshipper. This is the third of five messages and all five messages are found in Psalms 23, Psalms 23, our text this morning is verses 1 through verse 4, and the subject is taken from verse number 4. We're reading from the New International Version, Psalms 23, beginning at verse 1, concluding at verse number 4. The series is the testimony of a worshiper. Verse 1 says, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Here's where the subject for today's message is found. Even though I walk through the darkest valley. Say that again. Just encourage somebody. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff. They do comfort to me. And the church said, Amen. Reach over and catch someone by the hand. Here's a subject for today's message. Squeeze those hands and look at someone and say, fear no evil. That's what we want to talk about, fear no evil. Maybe seated. Fear no evil. Just, just to get on the devil's nerve, look behind you and tell somebody, I am no longer afraid. Amen. I am no longer afraid. Amen. Listen, it has been said that fear is perhaps one of the most debilitating emotions that we as human beings will ever have to experience, that we ever go through. For fear has often been described as one of the few things that can totally paralyze the human spirit. And before you think about that this message is for somebody other than you, the truth of the matter is we all have been victimized by fear. Amen. We all at some point in our life struggle with the spirit of fear. When we speak of fear, there is an interesting definition that is found in Webster's Collegiate Dictionary, it is defined, and I quote, as an apparent, often strong emotion caused by the anticipation of a perceived danger. It doesn't even really have to be dangerous, but if you think it's dangerous, <laughs> fear usually comes in. The author and the motivational speaker, the late Zig Ziglar, coined a wonderful acronym for fear, F-E-A-R. Uh, Zig Ziglar said that fear can be described as false evidence appearing real. Tell somebody it doesn't even have to be real and you can still be afraid of it. False evidence appearing real. It reminds me of in 2005, I had the privilege uh, to write a book with a lot of help uh, from those who partnered with me to write a book that's entitled A World of Possibilities. And in that book, it was stated that fear is one of the deadly enemies used by the adversary, hear this, 
to stand between us and God's unlimited possibilities for our lives. Fear is one of those deadly enemies used by the devil from the pits of hell, used by the adversary to block the possibilities that God has for our life. Because the enemy knows it's hard to move forward and embrace possibilities when you're stuck in a spirit of fear. You become paralyzed and you can't hardly get up out of the bed. Can't hardly hold your head up high and always looking over your shoulders, looking for the next hurt, looking for the next demon, looking out for the next hater. Ooh, it's hard to move forward and, and, and seize what God has for you. The enemy knows that I can paralyze your possibilities. I can stop you in your track if I can get you to somehow embrace the spirit of fear. That is why throughout the Bible, may I take my time and preach this this morning. That is why throughout the Bible, we are strongly warned, advised against the enemy known as fear. The words fear not or the words be not afraid are recorded some 365 times in Holy Scripture. 365 times you will find the words fear not or be not afraid. That equals to one reference for every day of the year. I think God is trying to tell us something. God says every morning you wake up, you can embrace a scripture that encourages you not to be afraid. Hold your head up high. Dry your tears. Why? Because God will take care of you. How, how many of you know that you trust in God's word? You are not, a, and, and, and make no mistake about it, Fear, although in the secular arena, and I respect that, and I respect uh, uh, the behavioral scientists and, and, and what they do and how they label it, but, but in the arena of our faith, fear is a spirit. It is a spirit that, that comes upon us by the adversary. And before you know it, here you are paralyzed. Here you are stuck in the same place you've been in for the last five years simply because you are too afraid to make the next step. You are afraid of the next shoe dropping or something bad is going to happen to you without knowing that the God you serve is a very present help throughout all your times of trouble. Amen? Listen, one of the things that we seem to fear the most or the schemes and the plots and the actions of evil doers that that seem to get to us what haters are trying to do to us what those who are trying to destroy us there's some folk who are stressful on their way to work in the mornings because they are fearful of what people on their jobs are trying to do to them and they cannot even get their work done from looking over their shoulders and wondering who's out to get me today. Who's trying to destroy my name today? Who's trying to get me fired today? Schemes and plots and actions of evildoers. But God told me to say something to you. God told me to tell you that when we know that he is our shepherd, when we know that God is our very present help. We have absolutely no need to be afraid. Is there anybody in here that have enough faith to just stand and say, I'm not afraid? See, see let me tell you something. Uh, there used to be uh, the idea that courage overcomes fear. But God helped me see that a little different. 
God said, no, what really overcomes fear is faith. Because faith in me that everything is going to be all right. Faith in even if you do fall, it won't destroy you. Faith in even if you are hurt, I can mend your broken heart. Faith in God will somehow make a way out of nowhere that overcomes any potential fear in your life because regardless of what you go through if you serve a God that you know is able and you trust him you can go through what I saw this young couple go through several weeks ago and still praise God you can go through what this young man said at the altar when his wife of just 32 years old died last night because you know that the God you serve, God is able. Tell somebody he will make a way somehow. Every now and then you need to declare to the devil, I used to be that way, but I'm not afraid anymore. When you wake up in the morning, you, you ought to tell the devil, take your best shot. Because no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Do what you want. Because when you come in like a flood, Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against me. Do what you think you've got to do. You may come in one way, but when God gets through, you'll flee seven different ways. Nobody can block what God has already preordained for your life. Somebody shout, I'm not afraid anymore. Devil, you are a liar. In fact, you should have taken us out last year. Should have stopped us when he had a chance. Now we are embracing something greater than what we are going through. Listen, my brothers and sisters, as we now turn to this text, this sacred psalm, let us examine the testimony of a genuine worshiper. Uh, one who certainly had his share and how he, David, responded to fear. David, the author of this psalm, uh, once again certainly knew what it was to have to encounter fearful situations and how to deal with evil and evil doers. Let me tell you something. Folks say we ought to fear evil, but in order for evil to have an impact, it has to be possessed by an evildoer. Come on, somebody. It has to be possessed by somebody who allows evil to reign in their life. So David knew what this was. Although David was anointed, and I will contend with you that the more anointed you are and the greater the blessings are over your life, the more the adversary is going to fight you. And he would do it with some folk that were once close to you. Don't you think that the enemy is going to give you a pass knowing that God has given you an assignment over your life? I am convinced the greater the assignment, the greater the trials and the tribulation. Baby, you haven't gone through anything. Brother, you haven't gone through anything until you've committed your life to the Lord. Don't think once you have come down these aisles and given God a commitment that everything is going to be all right. In fact, that's when it starts even afresh. That's when the worst of the devil comes out. But just hold on. Tell somebody, just hold on. Because great is he that is in you. He that is in the world. Just for a few moments, let me share with you three biblical examples of fearful situations that King David had to go through. First was his encounter with a man by the name of Saul. Saul was David's mentor. Saul was the first king of Israel. Saul was someone uh, that employed David, that invited David even into his own house. David became King Saul's personal musician and became uh, the resident port uh, of the kingdom. And, and he, he, he would recite his poetry and sing his songs to King Saul, but there's something about jealousy, something about haters. Don't ever hang around anybody who doesn't want anybody to get any praise greater than them. Be careful of folk 
who always think they've got to get the greatest praise and nobody can be any greater than them. Be careful. It's a dangerous situation when, when, when you're hanging around folk whose ego is so large that they can't even see their own demise coming. But I've got news for Donald Trump. I mean, King Saul. Payday is coming after a while. Amen, somebody. I've got news for you. Listen, uh, Saul was a king. And the Bible says Saul turned on David. And, and he allowed an evil spirit uh, to make him become a deranged and a lunatic. And Saul in 1 Samuel chapter 19 and verse 9, you can read it later, Saul then who was his mentor uh, becomes uh, his predator. Saul wanted to kill David. He wanted to destroy David. Evil uh, rested in Saul's heart and he turned on David. Don't tell me what folk won't do. There's some folk that are close to you today, but you ought to be aware that it doesn't take much for some folk to flip the script. Amen, somebody. There is a secular expression that said there's a thin line between love and hate. And some of you want to raise your hands right now and say, Pastor, I know what you're talking about. Because they used to say they love me. Now they're doing everything they can to destroy me. It's evil. Just call it what it is. Somebody say, it's evil. King Saul was influenced by evil. May I preach this? Other biblical example that I want to call to your attention is Goliath. Goliath, the Philistine giant. Goliath, who was a giant of a man. Goliath, who for 40 days, twice a day, challenged the nation of Israel and its army to come fight me. Goliath, who thought no one was greater than himself. But one day, there was a young shepherd lad by the name of David, who confronted Goliath. And Goliath said this to David in chapter 19 and verse 9. Allow me to paraphrase it. Goliath says, I will rip your flesh to pieces and I will feed you to the birds. Somebody shout evil. David, on these two occasions, King Saul and Goliath confronted evil. And then there was the third example. Third example was even closer than King Saul. Saul was his mentor, but what do you do when your own family turns on you? Ooh, I, I just wish maybe I'm not in the right church. Uh, all of y'all got great families. Y'all never had any family member to act funny and strange and turn on you and stop speaking to you and try to destroy you and turn you in and try to take everything you had. No, no, some of you don't know anything. None of you had family members that ever lied on you and tried to bring you down for no reason at all. I need another church to preach to because all of you, none of you have been through situations like that. But what happens when your own family allows evil to come into their heart and they turn on you. David's third son by the name of Absalom who was arguably according to scripture the one with the greatest potential. Absalom had charisma. He had the looks. Uh, he had the attention of all of those that were around him. Absalom had long flowing hair. He looked good. He could talk good. But Absalom allowed the spirit of impatience to penetrate his heart. And he did not want to wait on his own timing. He wanted to take his father's kingdom. And he allowed the negative influences around him to say to him, man, you're smarter than your daddy. You look better than him. You ought to be king right now. And the Bible says, 2 Samuel chapter 17 through 20 that Absalom because of the evilness of his heart turned on his daddy and tried to overthrow his daddy's kingdom but God's got a word for you Absalom that which he took the greatest pride in 
led to his demise. It was because of his long flowing Goldilocks hair that got caught up in a branch that allowed uh, the pursuers of Absalom to take, be careful what you cherish over God. Be careful what you lift up higher than God. God's got a way of taking you down. God's got a way of bringing you right down the rock bottom. Somebody ought to trust in the Lord. And so the Bible says, having heard of the demise of his third son by the name of Absalom, David cries, the scripture says, with a lamentable voice and cried out, Oh, Absalom, oh, my dear son, Absalom, how I love you. Yet he turned on him. So David knew what it was to deal with this. These are just three examples, but you can see now the mindset of David as we approach the text. As we approach the text, you can see David said, I've got a testimony. I just didn't write this because I read it in an encyclopedia. I didn't Google it online and stole somebody else's testimony. I didn't hear it on Oprah and, and said that I'll make it my story. But I've been through something. Ooh. How many of you have got your own testimony? Look at somebody and say, I've got a testimony with my name on it. And I know you've been through something. Tell your neighbor, but I've got my own testimony. If you only knew what I've been through, perhaps you'll understand the magnitude of my praise. And so when you sit by a worshiper, you're not just sitting by somebody who came to church to dress up and show off. Can I preach to a handful of folk? Look at somebody say, you're sitting by a grateful worshiper. Somebody that the enemy tried to take out. Somebody that the enemy tried to destroy. Somebody that the enemy tried to steal all my joy. If you only knew how dark my valleys were, you would understand my praise. And so can I preach this? David... In verse number four of the text, the New International Version say, even though I've given you three examples to justify this text, even though I walk through the darkest valley, even though my mentor tried to kill me, even though the giant of Philistine tried to kill me, even though my third son tried to destroy me. I've got a message for the author of all evil. I will fear no evil. Is there anybody in here that can confront evildoers and confront everything that has gone wrong in your life that tried to take you out and you can look evil in the eye and say, even though I've walked through life's darkest valleys, I've got a testimony that I will fear no evil. For you, God, are with me. You are my rod and my staff that comforts me. All I need is just a handful of worshipers that's got your own testimony that can say, Pastor Jackson, I've been there. I've done that. The enemy thought he had me, but somehow God made a way out of nowhere. Y'all sit down. I want to preach this some more. In the text, David uses the words darkest valley as a metaphor to describe some of his most difficult times in his life. Times in which death was a real possibility. Now to really understand the text, allow me the homiletical liberty to share with you some context of the landscape of, of Palestine during David's day. And you can better understand the darkest valley. See, valleys were very uh, prominent in Palestine. Uh, they were deep. Valleys were narrow. They were damp. 
and they were often dark places all over the land because see there were mountains all over Palestine you know the text I will lift mine eyes into the hills but I've got news for wherever there's a mountain there is usually a valley Somebody will catch it in the parking lot because a whole lot of us want to live on the mountain, but we don't ever want to go through the valley. But tell somebody, neighbor, where there are mountains, there will be valleys. And so valleys were, were, were deep, narrow, damp, dark. They were surrounded by steep and towering hills or cliffs making it virtually impossible to leave out of once you've entered in them. I'm going somewhere. So valleys were, once you've stepped in them, uh, you had to go through them to get out of them because the only glimmer of light was the light ahead of you Nothing was behind you. I'm going somewhere. So although these valleys were dangerous places, lurking in these valleys, excuse me, my dear mother, were all kind of dangerous snakes, all kind of dangerous creatures, all kind of dangerous wild beasts, dark, damp, narrow places, and even on top of that, criminals hung out in dark valleys. Uh, why? Because most criminals like the darkness. And they knew that it's easy to ambush somebody in a dark place. And so somewhere in this dark, damp, narrow, gloomy place were snakes and beasts and criminals but you got to go through it can i preach to somebody in fact one of the commentaries asked the rhetorical question why must you go through the valley the answer is because in order listen to this in order to get to the green pastures and the quiet waters they were on the other side of the valley. So if you wanted to get to the blessed place, you had to go through a dark place. Somebody caught it. Somebody just caught it. Look at somebody and say, if you want to end up in a blessed place, usually you got to go through a dark place. You got to go through trials and tribulation but just hang on in there better days are coming by and by uh, now here is about a valley that the only escape was to go forward and so now we see something valleys were necessary to travel through in order to get to a better place Ooh, God has just blessed somebody. God has just told you why you went through so much trouble. Somebody just caught it. In fact, this would be a good time to put a 30-second praise on every dark place, every gloomy situation. This would be a good time to put your best praise on just the thought of what you had to go through. Dark, gloomy, dreary. Look at somebody say, I had to go through it. Because on the other side of this, something with my name on it. I can't get to the green pastures and the quiet waters without going through the darkest valley. So tell every demon from the pits of hell, bring it on because God's gonna carry me. Somebody with a real testimony, stand to your feet. 
clap your hands and tell the Lord, thank you, thank you. Say, now I know what I had to go through what I went through. Is there anybody now? In fact, God told me something. Now, it's going to take faith to embrace this. In fact, God says when you have enough faith, not only do you go through it, but you begin to praise God for allowing you to go through it. Let me preach to this side of the church. Look at your neighbor, say, you owe God a praise for just allowing you to go through what you went through. Because if it had not been for that, you would not have this. Clap those hands, Zion. Clap those hands. Lean on somebody say, I had to go through it. I feel a praise. I'm trying to get to my next point, but I feel a praise. In fact, get on the devil's nerve. Take about 30 to 60 seconds to put your hands together and give God your best praise. Leave your seat. Look at two people. Say, I had to go through it. I had to go through life's darkest valleys in order to be where I am now. And I declare and decree that I am not afraid. Everything is going to be all right. Somebody ought to give God a praise. Throw your hair back and Shabbat the Lord your God. Out of the depths of your belly. I want to show you something. I want to show you something. Just remain standing. We're almost done. But Elder Robert Wilson, this, this, this blew my mind. I, as I begin to look at this text, I ran across this interesting dissertation of verse number four and five. And the scholar who wrote this says, take note of how David changed the pronouns beginning in verse four. Uh, verses one through three, it was, he is my shepherd. He will lead me. But in verse 4 and 5, something changed. Ooh, I wish I had time to preach this. God dropped this in my spirit. Mother God said, it's all right for God to be in the abstract when you're not in the valley. But when you go through the valley, David changed it from he to you. In other words, it was he when God was leading him. But it's you, oh God, when you're standing beside me. Is there anybody in here right now? So glad that in your darkest moments, God not only led you, but God stood beside you. And God carried you. David said to him that you are the one that would do this. In other words, I want you to know that I'm so glad that in the midst of my dark valleys, you art with. Look at what the text says. It did not say he is with us. Woo. Catch it, somebody. Sometimes some of your testimonies are so personal. You, you don't mean to ignore everybody else. But your situation was so bad that he's no longer the church's God. But he's got to become your own personal God. I just need a handful of people to make God personal. How many of you have ever been in such a situation that he could no longer be Bible ways God, but he had to be your God? Praise him. 
Raise him! Raise him! Raise him! Lift those hands all over this place. As I walk through life's darkest valleys, I will fear no evil because you are with me. Church, you don't need anything else. Let me say that again. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Listen to this last point to where going. David concludes this verse by saying, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Just give me 60 seconds to distinguish the differences. A good shepherd had both a rod and a staff. Whew. The rod was more like a club to fight off predators. But a staff was more like a hook to keep us in line. You caught it. Somebody just caught it. Lean on somebody and say, during my darkest times, God used the rod to fight off the adversary. And God used the staff that when I wanted to just stray, God just pushed me back. Pushed me back. Kept me. Kept me. Any witnesses in here? Somebody ought to give God a praise. Come on, musician. Give God your best. Give God your best praise. Look at somebody. Say, I am no longer afraid. I fear no evil. I am not afraid of evil. Because God is. God is. God is. God is. From the depths of your voice and the depths of your belly, shout God is in the midst of us. Right there by our side. Come on to this altar. Make your way down these highways. I am not afraid. I will fear no evil. Get behind me, Satan. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. I am no longer afraid. Somebody ought to help us praise God. Somebody ought to make your way to this altar. Somebody ought to lift your voices and Shabbat the Lord your God. Somebody ought to praise God. He brought you out. He brought you through. He made a way out of nowhere. I never would have made it. Change it, Bill. Marvin Sampson, I never would have made it. I never would have made it. Is there anybody in here so glad that you made it? But I need you to look at somebody and say, neighbor, I've been through life's darkest valleys, but I never would have made it. Never would have made it. Never could have made it yeah, 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 without yeah. you. Somebody's talking to God right now. I would have lost it all. I would have lost it all. But now I see <laughs> you were there for me. And I can say I never would have made it. Oh, come on, somebody. Never could have made it without you. Ooh, yeah, 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 ye
yeah, yeah. I would have lost it all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But now I see how you were there for me. Listen. And I'm stronger. <laughs> Sing, Bill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm wiser. Wiser. <laughs> I'm better. I'm better. So much better. When I look back over all you brought me through, I realize that I made it because I had you to hold on to. I never. Come on, somebody. Somebody's got a testimony. Somebody has a testimony. Oh, I would have lost it all. But now I see that you were there for me. And I'm stronger. I'm You were there to carry me through, and I never, never would have made it. Somebody is a worshiper. Where are my worshipers? All the worshipers just wave those hands in the air. Yeah, yeah. I would have lost it all. I would have lost it. As I walk, and here's the key word, through the valley. You're not gonna get stuck in the valley. I got a word, you won't die in the valley. You won't be destroyed in the valley. <laughs> Woo! Look at somebody and say, I'm coming through this. I'm, in fact, I've already come through some things that the only reason I came through is that God was with me any witnesses and so we fear no evil because he is with us we can hold our heads up high we can declare that in the midst of life's darkest valleys everything is going to be all right i want to encourage someone because the truth of the matter is we all have our valleys Yours may be different than mine, but everybody goes through something. And everybody will go through some more. A man that is born of a woman is of a few days and full of trouble. But here's the good news. You can come through it. In fact, you are coming through it. <laughs> Tell somebody I'm coming through this. Uh, catch the hands of someone that's standing next to you. To those of you that are joining us by internet, those of you that are listening by radio, you can stop what you're doing if you can. Let's touch and agree. Because see, what blessed me out of this text was the fact that oftentimes the only way you can get to the green pastures quiet waters 
is that you had to go through the valley. Because someone may ask the question, Mother Bradley, why would a shepherd carry sheep through the darkest valley? Because there was something better on the other side. <laughs> why would God let you go through your darkest, most painful, hurtful experiences? Because God knows that there's something better. Tell somebody there's something better on the other side. Now, as you close those eyes, here's my challenge to all of you in here, and you're not connected to something greater than you. To all of you that are in here and you haven't made that, what I call that commitment decision. What gave David consolation was that he had a relationship, listen to this, with his God before he went through the valley. <laughs> Woo. He, he didn't wait until he was in the midst of a dark valley and say, God, I got to know you. But he had a relationship with God before he went through the valley. And if you've got a relationship with God, if you're committed to something greater than yourself, that during your darkest hour, God says, I'll change the pronoun. And no longer will I become he or him, but I'll become you and I'll be with you and I'll walk with you and I'll hold you up. He's speaking to someone right now. And after this prayer, this is your moment to dedicate, to rededicate, to commit your life. And I would not worry about who's watching me or what folk think about me. And don't worry about it. There's so many people at that church. I got to stand up before everybody. No. You got to stand up before one somebody, and that's God. That's the only one that matters is your relationship with God. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you. Thank you for this third message of this series. A message that simply says, fear no evil. The reason we fear no evil, although we walk through life's darkest valleys, is because we know that you are with us. In fact, we never would have made it <laughs> if it had not been for you. My heart goes out for those who've been through so much just recently. But I thank you because you've worked on their testimony. You've given them a testimony that through it all, they can still praise you. They can still worship you. There are some that are going through life's darkest valleys right now. Ooh. Perhaps they feel as if it's gloomy, it's dark, it's a dreary place. Perhaps there are those with evil intent waiting to try to destroy them. But we are declaring that they will fear no evil because you are with them. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Not just for what you've already done, but thank you for what you're going to do. We thank you in advance for deliverance that we don't even know about yet that is on its way. And we declare that we love you. We praise you. We'll honor you the rest of our lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Those who know it is so said amen. Put your arms around somebody and say, never would have made it. Whew. I never yeah, would have. Yeah, yeah. Somebody want to make that commitment this day. Come on. Come on. You don't have to go back the way you came. If you want to join the church, and if you want to make a commitment, if you want to recommit your life to the Lord, Come on, I'm better. You want to make that recommitment? Look at these four, four men that have come and said, I want to rededicate my life. I want to make that commitment. Somebody else step down the aisleway. Come on, step down. Stronger, wiser, wiser. Wherever you are, come on, right? 
walk down the aisles right Somebody else, thank you, brother. Look at God. Clap your hands, by the way. Look at God. God's doing something here. Somebody else, you may be in life's darkest valley, but God's calling you right now. Anyone else, God's calling. It's not too late. God's waiting on you. Clap your hands, give God a hand of praise for these as we take them in the back. Never will. You brought me over and you brought me through, and I want to say thank you. Never could have made it. Never could have made it. Somebody say, I made it. Tell them you can make it. Stand to your feet for the benediction. On Tuesday night, there are three things that we want to share with you. Amen. And we'll just leave them on the board. You can think about it between now and Tuesday. But we're going to declare war on the spirit of fear on Tuesday. God told me to do this. I haven't done it in a while. But I just want to lay hands on any and everybody on Tuesday night who want to declare war on the spirit of fear. If fear has been trying to wreck your life, we're going to say that it will not work. And we are, we're going to end this week by declaring and decreeing that we are no longer afraid and we fear no evil. Amen, somebody? Amen. Thank you so much. Lift those hands for the benediction. We ask that you patronize our worship and arts ministry next door. Go and purchase a dinner. All proceeds, all proceeds go towards the worship and arts ministry. We're so grateful for them and their dedicated service all month. They've been here at 8 and 11 and 4 o'clock today will be at St. Matthew's. And we thank God so very much for them. As we lift our hands to the Lord, may the Lord bless you. May the Lord protect you. May the Lord smile upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor. And may the Lord give you his peace. And the church that loves the Lord said amen. 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 Greet somebody. Amen. Thank you so much.